Hey there, church family. It is such a joy. Uh, and in fact, if you are watching this, what is exciting is that we've got people, not just here in Brisbane, but people overseas, people in the Middle East. And I just love that, you know, one of the taglines we've been saying is that there's no distance in the kingdom of God. And that's really what's been happening. We've been on an epic, almost four-month journey of studying the world, uh, of studying the word together in different groups. And I love how cohesive and united we've been over the season. And uh, if this is your first time joining in, I want to I want to encourage you to lean in. And in fact, today is exciting because we have just kicked off last week a series on grace called Amazing Grace. And in fact, uh, at the end of this message, I'd encourage you to jump on YouTube. Uh, to find that video because that's going to really lay a foundation of what we're going to teach and embark on this morning. But I shared last week on the power of grace. I shared last week on how uh, the goodness of God is better than we can even think. Uh, you know, the grace of God is even more powerful than we can understand. And we studied that what Jesus has done is better than we can even articulate or we can even think or imagine or even ask and how nothing we can do outside of grace will put us in right standing with God. That's what we sort of left. So grace by definition, uh, last week I shared this definition of it's better news than we think or too hard to believe. But this morning I want to add another premise to grace. Grace also means unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. It's sort of like where there's nothing I can do. There's, there's not even potential. So when someone does you a favor, sometimes it's sort of like, I'm doing this person a favor because I see potential. Grace is not even that. It's like there's zero potential, but I'm just doing this favor. Undeserved, unmerited. And therefore the good news is that grace is nothing that you and I can do. It's not something we can do to earn. It's a gift we receive. And here's the thing we've got to understand, setting the premise on grace, that grace existed before we ever came to be. In other words, grace existed before my arrival. And I want you to just grapple with that because that is more profound than we can even think or or, or even in this moment just uh, work around it. But grace has been there before I arrived. Grace has been there before my arrival. And I know this is extreme, uh, but if you're walking with God, God will love you the same as much as if you're not walking with God. I know that thought is like, I can't believe it. Yeah, like right now as you're listening, you're like, I'm worshiping God. I'm giving to God. I'm serving to God. Let's say hypothetically, I'm going to use me as an example for whatever reason, something happens, I quit my faith or whatever. I'm not walking with God. God will still love me the same. I know that is like mind boggling. I know that is there are parts of me that almost want to scream up in disapproval. But that is literally the gospel that God's love for me does not change regardless of the fact that I'm pastoring a church and leading people and talking. His His love does not change to if I was never ever doing that and I was walking literally in disobedience to Him. Uh, God's love for you is not based on your response. It's unconditional love. That's what grace is. Now someone can take this doctrine of grace and abuse it. Uh, where they go, well, if God loves me, if God has graced me, uh, then based on that, without understanding, you can sort of go, well, I, I can rob a bank then. You know, I, I, you know, if God's grace, gracious and if God's loving and God, I can, well, if God just still loves me. And here's the thing I want to add to that. You can rob a bank and still feel the love of God while you're robbing the bank. You can feel the love of God. But here's the thing, because there are consequences to the choices we make. So you can go to the court 
and face a judgment and still feel the love of God. You can be in a prison cell and still experience the warm, tingling love of God. There's no change to that. I know this is like, like a bit of like, what is this? You know, this is holding attention, but that is literally the love of God. But here's what I'm trying to say. We don't abuse the love of God. We don't abuse the grace of God. And God's grace is unconditional. God's grace does not change. But there are consequences to the choices that we make. And, but, and, and, and I think when I talk about the whole grace thing, the big question here is about sin. And I want to address that for a second. But I think sometimes the way we approach sin or our posture to sin can be a, fun, can be a bit funny. Many a times we keep away from sin because we think God will stop loving us. Many a times we keep away from sin because we just feel like God's going to w- walk away from us. But what we need to understand is that grace is what God has done for us prior to our existence. So if, if grace is God's part, what is my part? And that's really what I want to talk about because Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, and this scripture gets misquoted a lot, but Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved. Now last week we discovered and dive deep into that for by grace you have been saved but that's not where the where the sentence ends it actually says for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not on your own it is a gift of God I think if we did not have those two words through faith our doctrinal understanding our doctrinal arguments would be completely different but I want to read it in its entirety for by grace you have been saved through faith now I hear so many people just focus purely on the grace of God, but don't understand that grace is now an invitation to activate our faith. Grace is an invitation. So let's talk about this, right? If grace was all that was needed to save the world, then the whole world is already saved and we should all go to heaven. Okay? But what we got to understand is that grace is God's part, but faith is my part. Grace is God's part. Now, God did His part, unconditional love. And I want to say this, the same grace that's been given to me is the same grace that God has already disproportioned out to Hitler. But grace is not my part or grace is not Hitler's part. Faith is my part. Grace is God's part. Faith is my part. And even when I say it, I'm not saying that it's my faith that would save me. I'm not saying that it's my faith that'll take me to heaven. It's not my faith that'll give me gifts and callings and opportunities. It's not just my faith because my faith on its own is pointless if it, were, if it isn't for the grace of God. So there is no conversation. There doesn't even need to be a conversation about faith if there is no pre-existence of grace. So based on that premise, I want to share three thoughts on this whole thing. Here's my first point. The first point is a life of purity is not the work I put in, but rather the outworking of grace God has put in. It's a big one, so I'll repeat it again. A life of purity or a life of holiness or a life of righteousness, whatever doctrinal beliefs you have, you can put whatever, or a life of sanctification, uh, is not the work I put in, but rather the outworking of grace that God has put in. So if grace is an invitation, He's invited me and He's put stuff in me and the outworking of that is a life of purity it's not my works it's not my ability it's not oh i I, I stuffed up today bad that's bad alwin it's not that it's an outworking of the grace of god now the big discussion is so many people avoid sin out of fear and condemnation 
Oh, I shouldn't do that because that's wrong. I shouldn't do that. That's out of that. But, but here's the thing. Fear and condemnation will get you so far in staying holy, in staying pure, in living a life that brings glory to God. But the day I began to realize God's grace towards me, all of a sudden I had a faith, not on my ability, but on God's ability working through me. The day I discovered God's grace for its entirety of what I have access to, all of a sudden it's not reliant on, oh, I've got to do this and I've got to say those words and I've got to work. No, no, it was an outworking of that grace. Now, here's the thing, right? Uh, and this is probably where my struggle has been, had been with legalism. So some of you know my story. I got saved when I was 14. I got quite radically saved. Uh, within 10 days, my friends recognized I was saved. I didn't say a word to them. They just sense the change in my life. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, when my friends are out there partying, having girlfriends, all sorts of things. I was out there serving the Lord in the church, da, 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 da. And without me knowing, what began to happen was I had, an, I had a doctrinal understanding of the grace of God when you stuff up. So for my friends that were stuffing up and partying and all that, they'll come to church and they'll be like, oh, grace of God. And I'll be like, yeah, I get it. That's, that's okay. I was, but, but for me, that's not me. Oh, God and I have this special relationship. Until I realized that the same grace that forgave my friends when they partied was the same grace that protected me from partying. The same grace that has saved you is the same grace. that, And this is where you can get legalistic because all of a sudden when your life becomes this transformative process as the years come on, you're like, yeah, but I did this and I did that and I did this. But friend, I want you to know that is still the outworking of grace. It takes grace not just to be forgiven once you sin. It takes grace to keep away from sin. Oh my gosh. And, and I, think, I think once we get a handle of it, we'll understand the power of the gospel. Here's my second thought. Everything that God has given, everything God has given, I access by faith. Everything God has given, I access by faith. As I shared earlier, grace is what God has done for us prior to our existence. I shared that in my first point, that grace was not an afterthought. Grace was already there upon our arrival. Grace is a finished work of the cross. In other words, before you ever had a need, God had already created a supply. Now that does not just work with sin or that does not just work with mercy. So if I'm feeling overwhelmed today, it's not like I go, God, is there an overwhelming, overcoming capsule? That's not how it works. In fact, the Bible says He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Are you with me? God has already kept the supply ready for your demand. Oh God, I'm feeling unwell. Is there a special healing dose? Is there a special miracle dose? God has already said, by, your, by my stripes, you've been healed. In other words there's already a promise there's already a blessing there's already a, a, a supply that is there for my demand so here's what i'm trying to say grace is an event of the past that only makes sense when we activate by faith now oh man grace is an event of the past now that does not mean just because it's an event of the past it does not mean it's not powerful grace is an event of the past that only makes sense when we activate by faith in the now and I think if we can get a hold of that, 
I think those of us that go, oh, I fasted so much, I gave so much, why am I not healed? I quoted scriptures so much, 52 promises, uh, the, I bought the CD and I played it over and over in my car. I downloaded all those things that we do are not, we, without even us knowing, we can sort of go into works, not knowing that that's just a step of faith that we do to access the grace that God's already given to us in heavenly places. In other words, faith appropriates what God has already provided. I think a lot of times we think faith is about twisting the arms of God. No. Faith is about purely about accessing the grace that God's already given us. Here's my third point. And this is going to... this When I heard this a couple of years ago as I was studying this whole uh, theological doctrine of grace, it blew my mind. It's not sin, but unbelief that could take you to hell. It's not sin that would take you to hell. It's unbelief that will take you to hell. Now, all the people that are watching me, especially if you've got a little vein of religion, you're like, that is heresy. You're probably leaving the Zoom. Hold your horses. We're going to explain this. See, from the time we've been kids, we've been growing up in a home or in an environment, be it even if you're not a Christian home, some Christian atmosphere, some religious atmosphere, it's like, oh, you know what happens when you sin? You know what happens when you lie? Hell's really hot. There are worms that are going to come. So there's all these theological... Um, uh, workings that's within us that we don't even understand. Now, I'm not, I'm not giving you a license to sin. It's not sin that takes us to hell. It's unbelief. So, so maybe you're like, what about sin? See, what, the problem with us is we address the fruit. Sin is the fruit. Unbelief is the root. And this is the thing, because like I meet people that tell me, um, but I don't sin or I don't lie. I give to, I don't tithe, but I give to charity. I support this orphanage. I am, a, you and I, we have met good people. Good, good. I mean, some of these people are better than the Christians in church. Good people. But my friend, good works, a good life, even whatever you call a sin-free life will not take you to heaven. See, unbelief is the posture that takes us to hell. And unbelief creates a pattern and unbelief creates a mindset. And so uh, I think sometimes we can, we can emphasize on the wrong thing. And I believe this is, oh, I can sense already that people's minds are going like, wow, wow, wow. I mean, the presence of sin in my life means there's a presence of unbelief in my life. It means there's an area in my life that I don't trust God. It means there's an area in my life I haven't fully received what God has for me. And, and I think it's really important. I'd love to spend a much, bit longer talking about this, but we're out of time. But here's the thing. He's, he's, this is just to help you. I think there are different camps. There are some camps that give so much emphasis on grace. There are some camps that give so much emphasis on faith. But I think when the two come together, when grace and faith work together, they become so powerful. In other words, this is what I'm trying to say. Faith without grace is striving. Grace without faith is potential. Faith without grace is striving. Grace without faith is potential. And I believe that that is liberating people. It's like this. this, is a, this is a, if, you're a chemic, if you're a nerd, this will help you. It's like sodium and chloride. Sodium is like grace. Chloride is like faith. If it's taken individually, the poison can kill you. But if you mix them together, you get salt. And Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You shall inherit grace and you shall walk by faith. 
And I believe it's so powerful that you put your trust in Jesus today. I want to encourage every person watching because here's the thing, when we talk about sin, it's like, oh, I don't have a sin issue. But I think all of us have areas in our lives where we allow unbelief to fester. And this morning, let's put our trust in Jesus. Let's put our trust in His amazing grace. And let's say, God, there's that area that I don't fully believe, I'm fully, and, and just submit that to God. So why don't we pray? Father, I pray for every person. All of us struggle with unbelief. And I pray, God, that as that man that came to you said, help me in my unbelief. I pray that I pray that same prayer that areas in our life would be struggling. I pray that you would strengthen us. I pray that you would reveal to us, Lord, show us the magnanimous power, the marvelous power of your grace so that we can now activate our faith and latch a hold of that grace. Be it in our finances, be it in our health, be it in our souls, that we would latch our faith, not on us, but on that grace that you've made available to us so that we can see miracles in these days to come. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I hope you've been blessed by this. I've, I've been so blessed even just bringing this word to you this morning. And I'd encourage you to tag somebody or send this video to somebody. Uh, it's going to be on YouTube in a couple of days, but I believe that God's done a great work for His glory. We love you. God bless.